And I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 5. And again, I'm not going to ask you to stand until we finish the reading because it is an entire chapter. We're kind of doing that right now as a part of our sermon series as we go through. Um, we're reading entire chapters of Scripture. And I, I've kind of found that it's a, uh, it's a fun way to hear all of what a particular passage is telling us. But I want to read um, Romans 5 to you this morning, and then we're going to stand uh, when we get to our um, memory verse that we're working on, which is on the pink sheet of paper. So if you didn't get the pink sheet this morning, make sure that you grab that. Okay. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, although for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Oh, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. 
The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I would ask you to stand. We're continuing today our study in becoming Christ-like, and we're using as our key verse Romans 12.2. We're trying to memorize that together as a congregation, so we're going to recite it together. You still have your pink sheet. Let's say it together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We also have this phrase, we become Christ-like when we live in our actions what we believe in our hearts. That's kind of the too-long-didn't-read TLDR version of let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But it's our objective to learn every week for the next few weeks how it is to live like Jesus. So I encourage you not only to think about this verse throughout the week, but to read the book of Romans as we go through this study together. Now let's pray together. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people, helping us every day and in every way to learn to be like Christ by the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, we started this study and we learned about being created in God's image that we are made to perfectly reflect God in everything we do. That is called, the fancy name for it is, Imago Dei. We have a purpose, we were created on purpose, and we learned that along with everything else that was created, we were created, and God called everything good. And then last week, we learned how we Messed it all up. (laughs) We learned how we got evicted from the garden. How desperate and terrible it was to no longer be in communion with the God who loved us. And we learned how this brought us to the place where death was the result. Where sin complicated and ruined and broke all the good that God had created. And today we learn how God made a way to invite us back into the garden, back to the place where we can live abundant lives in relationship with Jesus here and now and forever. Because as Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God made them a promise. He promised to rescue them. He promised to get them back to the garden. It took a long time. It wasn't something that just happened immediately. This dress I'm wearing is very special to me. 
Uh, it's special for a lot of reasons. It happens to be my favorite. I like the way it fits. I like the way it feels. But um, it also, my husband made it for me. <laughs> I picked the pattern and the fabric, but he sewed it. I love it. Both because I really like the design since I picked out the pattern, but also because every time I wear it, it's a reminder of how much my husband cares about me. But if I ripped it, or if I stained it, I wouldn't be able to wear it anymore. I, maybe eventually I would, but it would take some time for it to be repaired for the stain to get taken out, for we'd have to find the right color thread. We'd have to make sure we had needles and scissors, all of the things that you need to repair something. And if I ripped it in the wrong place, it might take even longer to repair because we might have to find the fabric and try to patch it. To me, it would definitely be worth the wait for that because I love the stress, but it wouldn't be something that would happen right away. And God's plan for repairing our relationship with him wasn't something that could happen right away. It was a plan that needed the right mix of everything. It needed a people waiting for a resolution, promises that needed to be made and then kept. It needed a world that was in a position to receive the message. And so we read in Romans, in just the right time, at just the right place, in just the right set of circumstances, God made a way. And he made that way through a people. There's a long lineage of people who are told to us in scripture stories that point to Jesus. And just like it would take the right tools and things and time to repair my dress, God wanted everything to be right for the most effective implementation of his plan for rescue and repair of his people. My dress isn't a perfect analogy, of course. But God's plan took time to unfold. You see, there were things that we needed to know he tried the idea of placing people already in the perfect place and giving them the opportunity to follow him by choice, and they failed. So he gave us a story. He told us about his love over centuries of time. We needed to be able to understand the actual lengths to which God was willing to go in order to repair our relationship with him, and we needed to see how big and beautiful and bold, and careful and wonderful his love for us is. In order to see how precious the gift of the garden was. Because we always have a choice, don't we? We can choose to stay in the garden, or we can choose to leave it.
So for us to understand the implications of that choice, we had to see all of what that meant. And so it took a while for God to give us Jesus. But Jesus was the perfect gift we needed. Jesus became the gateway to the garden that is abundant life. And he did it by choosing obedience in the garden of Gethsemane. Where he wept and sweat blood in his agony. But whose obedience turned into our victory three days later in another garden where the empty tomb now stood. Eugene Peterson, in the message translation of the body, Bible, puts the contrast between the fall of man and the perfect Christ this way. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One said yes to God and put many in the right. Jesus lived and died as an example and he rose again as our promise. His resurrection from the dead changed everything for us. It made it possible for us to be reconciled with God again. You see, that's what it means to be in the garden. It's to be in relationship with God. It means to be living in step with what God wants. It means to be obedient to him. It means to live an abundant life. You wouldn't call it a garden if it was a bunch of weeds and stuff. Even if it was a wild prairie that was really pretty, you wouldn't call it a garden Gardens have to be tended. Gardens have to be purposely planted. Gardens are spectacular because they're special. And we get back into the garden of a right relationship with God through the gate of Christ. God made it possible. Hear what Paul says one more time. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. If you want to know who the ungodly are, that's all of us. And very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. I mean, would you guys die for a righteous person? Even one you knew really well. I'm not going to ask you to do this. Would you die for each other? No. Of course not. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, while we were outside of the garden, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, 
much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life. You see, God saves us just as we are. He saves us as sinners. He saves us broken. He saves us outside the garden. He meets us in our sin, in our shady ways, in all the things that we do that are wrong. He meets us there. He loves us there. Oh, but here's the really cool part. He doesn't leave us there. Spoiler alert, that's what we're going to talk about next week is the transformation that takes place in us when we're living in the garden of abundant life. It's called holiness. And that's where we've been headed this whole time. But let me tell you something. You can't get there until you let Jesus meet you here. He has to come. You have to agree. You have to walk in. Let me tell you something. God made a way because God didn't want to chain us to himself. He didn't want to say to you, you have to love me. I made you, you must. He didn't say that. You know why? Because that sucks. It doesn't work. That's not the way that you actually get someone to love you. You don't chain someone to you and say, okay, now we're going to be best friends forever. In fact, that will probably fail. I actually really enjoy horror stories. I like reading them. I do not like watching those movies. Those freak me out. But I like to read them because I can make stuff up in my head. And my favorite author in that genre is uh, Stephen King. And one of his stories is about this woman who tries to make someone change their behavior by kidnapping and torturing them. She holds him hostage in her house and makes him write a book, is basically what it comes down to. But it doesn't work. She doesn't change how he feels about her. He doesn't change how he feels about anything because she's trying to make him fit something. She's trying to create love in someone else, and it doesn't work. God's love is a gift that we can either choose to accept or not. He puts it in front of us. He shows us where it is. We have to choose it. And when we do, it changes things. It changes us. God offers us the opportunity to love him by choosing to follow and listen and learn from him. We read it in the gospel text this morning. Jesus didn't walk up to Peter and drag him out of the boat. He said, come follow me. And Peter said, yes. He gave him a choice. He offers all of us a choice. And today, 
we're going to receive communion again. I know that makes my helpers happy. It's a reminder of that gift. Of the gift that God gave us. And how it is that the God whose love we trampled on and destroyed and hated and worked against in our sin, that God gave himself for us. John 3.16 says it best, For God so loved the world. That's everybody. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would no longer die, but have eternal life. The promise of the garden's eviction that said, I'm coming back for you, is fulfilled in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, who says, here I am, follow me. As we receive communion today, I ask you to think about that, to consider that as you move to the table. It is in this acceptance of the blood and body of Christ that you are making that choice to love Jesus, to follow him, to accept the invitation to walk back into the garden that is a right relationship with him. Our communion liturgy is found on the back of the bulletin.